This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, August 22, 2013. I'm Caleb Brown. Making fishing sustainable in open waters poses a real challenge for fishermen, but there's evidence that the solution is a clearer delineation of property rights. Jonathan Adler is co-author of the SSRM paper, Learning How to Fish, Catch Shares, and the Future of Fishery Conservation. We spoke earlier this month. Well, the problem with Atlantic cod, like a lot of fisheries, is that they're overfished. And uh, in the United States, in many cases, uh, federal management of fisheries uh, has been tantamount to no meaningful management, or at least no effective management. Uh, And more broadly, uh, fisheries are really the best example we have of the tragedy of the commons. And traditional regulatory strategies have been shown to not be very effective at overcoming the tragedy of the commons and uh, rarely prevent overfishing, and where they do control fishing tend to produce other consequences, uh, which can be bad for the fisheries as well as bad for those who participate in them. Okay. What have, what have been these traditional attempts to, to limit? So traditionally, what's been done in, in various regulatory strategies has been to impose um, limits on the type of gear that can be used, type of boats that can be used. Uh, these are essentially rules that are trying to mandate inefficiency in in catching fish by making it harder to catch fish. Uh, some fisheries have adopted catch limits uh, for the fishery as a whole so that when the entire fishery reaches that limit, the entire the, it shuts down. And the incentive this creates for Uh, those who participate in the fishery, is to catch as much as they can as quickly as possible, what what analysts tend to call a race to fish. And uh, it it results in a lot of not only inefficient, but very destructive fishing behavior, uh, a lot of risky fishing behavior. Uh, It's resulted in fishing being far more dangerous than it needs to be. Uh, It results in less concern for the uh, consequences of, of, of the fishing techniques that are used, so greater impacts on um, marine biology, greater impacts on, on non-target species. Uh, and and we have, we've had fisheries that where the entire annual catch is caught in, in just a few days. Um, and that, that's no way to run a fishery. Uh, I would also point out for, for, for those who, who like eating seafood, it's not a good way to get quali- a quality catch either. Uh, you, you, you can't ensure a fresh fish supply year-round if you're catching all of the fish in two or three days. And, and it lowers the prices, right? And, then, and that, right, that, has, that has effects not only in terms of the quality of the product the consumer gets, uh, but it also uh, has an effect on the prices that, that the fishermen can get. And so it's really um, all the way around, it is a bad way uh, to manage a fishery. It's not, it's not sound economically. Uh, it's not sound environmentally. And so uh, even if there were some sort of built-in system, I think you point out in your uh, recent paper, uh, a system in which fishermen were cutting back in order to rebuild stocks, there's not clearly that that would even work out for them either. Well, right. It's, it's, It's if there's no way to control who can participate in the fishery, there's no incentive for any individual fisherman to, to catch less because what he doesn't catch, somebody else will catch. Um, uh, the other uh, problem is that, um, and, and in some prior work I, I wrote about this, and, and even in an article in Regulation several years ago, that if if the if the fishermen get together and try to cooperatively 
agree to alter their practices so as to eliminate the rights to, to fish, to, to perhaps allocate portions of the catch among themselves, uh, they have to worry about antitrust prosecution because this is a, a, a case book example of, or a textbook example of a horizontal agreement to restrain trade. What, what conservationists want would be an agreement to catch less or to catch more slowly. But that's precisely what antitrust law uh, disallows. So we have the situation where the regulations don't make sense economically or environmentally, and other laws make it very difficult for the resource users themselves to uh, privately create arrangements that could solve the problem. So the Lex Mercatoria system that they might otherwise establish, that is uh, among themselves mm -hmm. and with uh, some rigid penalties for violators, it ceases to be possible. Right. And there, there in, in the 1950s in particular, there were examples of, um, uh, of fisheries where um, the participants bonded together and uh, created mechanisms um, uh, to prevent uh, new folks from coming in and and did so to reduce the cat level of catch. Now, in the 1950s, they were more fo focused on the quality and the value of the catch. Uh, we're not quite as aware of, of the environmental consequences of overfishing as we are today. Um, but we know those sorts of arrangements uh, would have would have been beneficial uh, ecologically uh, had they been allowed. So what is the uh, solution here? Well, the solution that, that economists have been arguing for uh, since the 1950s uh, is um, something that is these days most people call catch shares, sometimes called individual transferable quotas um, or individual fishing quotas. Uh, but the idea is to establish uh, property rights in the catch. Um, and so what's been done in a handful of U.S. fisheries and has been done in, in several other countries is to uh, allocate to participants in the fishery a percentage of the annual catch. Uh, and that is theirs. Uh, and and um, in, in the best of these programs, those shares are transferable um, and uh, they, they, they carry on from year to year. Uh, and what this does first and foremost is it eliminates the race to catch. It, it lets a, a participant in the fishery know that they can uh, fish in a more responsible, safer, more efficient manner. Uh, and they're not losing out because they weren't the first person to, to, to get, bring the fish in the boat. It also gives them, a secu gives them security uh, in the health of the fishery or in an interest in the health of the fishery. And um, what a lot of recent empirical research has shown is that this last part, the fact that it gives them an interest in the health of the fishery, is really uh, the key variable in, in improving fishery management uh, because uh, it, it means that if there is a, lo a lower catch this year for ecological reasons and that this increases the sustainability of, of the fishery, uh, that is going to be reflected in the value of the catch share and that um, participants in the fishery now – uh, have incentive to be more conservative, uh, more conservation-oriented in uh, the way they they uh, uh, interact with regulators and the way they interact with, with limits on the overall catch. And in some cases, not in the United States, but in, in, in New Zealand, for example, uh, it's actually resulted in, in the fishery participants essentially taking over the catch limit setting uh, process themselves. Uh, and and there's evidence that they, in fact, are actually more conservation-oriented uh, than the regulators uh, because it's really in their economic interest. If they catch too much this year, that affects the value of their shares 
uh, in future years. The other effects of these reforms are also to just, from an economic standpoint, to increase the efficiency of the fishery. It creates the ability for more efficient fishers to purchase share from those who are less efficient. And so that means, from an economic standpoint, we can we can get the same fishery catch with less uh, economic effort. Um, but that that's something that that we've recognized for a long time would be the consequence of these sorts of reforms. What's really uh, emerged in the last say five or six years in the empirical literature is is the environmental benefits. Um, there have now been uh, quite a few uh, studies and literature reviews showing that uh, you reduce the level of bycatch. So you reduce the amount that uh, uh, boats are catching fish other than the ones they're trying to catch. Uh, greater ability to use uh, less environmentally harmful fishing practices. Um, uh, a greater monitoring of catch levels, so so a greater incentive by participants in the fishery to make sure that people aren't cheating, um, uh, as well as dramatic improvements in safety. Um, uh, uh, and uh, those are the sorts of, of uh, results from this sort of reform that there had been a lot of debate about uh, whether or not we would see these environmental benefits. But but at this point, the empirical literature is, is showing quite strongly that, that we do get these positive benefits and that it's not just about economic efficiency. It's really about a better environmental management as well. Are regulators moving in that direction? Uh, regulators have tried to move in, the, in that direction. There, the, the, um, there's been some resistance from um, some incumbent participants in fisheries are just nervous about change. Uh, and, and certainly some fishery participants that think they do well under the current system um, now, again, there have been empirical studies showing that many fishery participants who resist this change actually end up liking it after it's been implemented. Um, uh, but you do have some entrenched interests. There are also concerns about uh, the effect that this could have on the makeup of a fleet. Does it result in fewer, smaller fish fishing operations and, and more larger fishing operations? Um, does this affect, for example, small fishing communities and the like? Um, and certainly those sorts of consequences, um, uh, you can see consequences that some groups might not like. Um, but what we found is that um, the gains are sizable enough that you can compensate those groups if you want. Uh, and um, we've also found that, that um, a lot of the socioeconomic impacts are actually again, more positive than, than some of the naysayers would have predicted. So you don't have folks that are making months' worth of income in a few days. You actually see more stable employment uh, in the industry and the like. So um, uh, it's really um, uh, uh, a handful of interests that have, that have lobbied against this. Uh, also, um, some uh, recreational fishing groups uh, have opposed these sorts of reforms because they're worried about how recreational fishing will be balanced against uh, commercial fishing. Uh, and unfortunately, they've, politically, they've been, um, uh, they've been uh, fairly effective. So while both the Bush and the Obama administrations both supported management reforms moving in this direction, uh, Congress has been, um, has been less supportive. And we've seen some odd alliances of some uh, very liberal New England members of Congress joining with uh, some very conservative members of Congress uh, to try and restrict uh, the adoption of these sorts of reforms. And, and it's really a shame because this, this is an area where we know how moving in a property 
rights uh, direction produces both economic and environmental benefits and also ultimately creates more security for the folks who rely upon uh, fishing for their livelihoods. And it's a shame to see you know, special interest groups get in the way of that. Jonathan Adler is with Case Western Reserve University School of Law and the Property and Environment Research Center. You can learn more about managing common pool resources at our website, cato.org.